Hey friends, before we start the show, I want to invite you to check out my brand new free training all about how you can start your own freelance business from home. In this completely free one hour training, I am going to share with you exactly how I was able to leave my full-time teaching job and replace my income by freelancing and how you can do the same thing too. We're going to talk about how you can find skills that you already have and what services you can offer, as well as what you need to actually get started today. So you can go check out my brand new free training. It's my gift to you at aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. That's aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. And we will link that up in the show notes for you. All right, now let's go ahead and dive on into the show. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. So excited to have you here today and to have you hear this amazing conversation that I had with Aaron Bridgman all about building and growing your personal wealth and really stepping into that role of somebody who knows their numbers, has good habits around money. It was such a powerful conversation. Now this might feel like a little far off for you. So maybe if you're just getting started in your business, you might be thinking, I don't know, as you're listening to this, like, I don't know if this applies to me. I want you to listen to this no matter where you're at in your business journey. And I want you to come back to this repeatedly throughout your business journey because I think it's really important as we grow into new levels and as our income grows and as our mindset grows or maybe we reach a new level and we're struggling with feeling that worthiness around money and that growth that we're having it feels a little bit too much and overwhelming. That's something that I definitely experienced, which is not something I anticipated, right? Like I was always had this fear of failure, but as my business started to grow, I had this fear of success. Like what if this doesn't stay and what if this is fleeting and what if this is only for a moment and all of those things around it too. So I really want you to listen to this conversation that I had with Erin. She's so sweet. She's so kind. Her personality just shines through. I know you're going to love her and really take some notes and some internal looking at yourself about where you stand with money and about building wealth and about growing and stepping into that person that you're really called to be. So you're just going to love this conversation. Can't wait for you to hear it. So let's go ahead and dive on in and meet Erin. Welcome to the Freelancer to CEO podcast. This is the podcast for overwhelmed freelancers who are ready to simplify and scale their business so they can earn more and stress less. I'm your host, Aubrey Malik, and I'm a former elementary teacher who launched my own freelancing business, and now I want to share all my secrets with you. Each week, I'll be sharing business strategy, systems, and tactical tips that you can take into your business today so you can finally step into that CEO role you desire. Let's dive on into the show. Well, hey there, Erin. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you today. I am so excited to get the opportunity to talk. It's going to be so fun. Yeah, absolutely. So one of my favorite things to do before we actually dive into the meat and potatoes of our conversation is to really get that journey um, story from you and to kind of figure out where you were before this life and entrepreneurship, how you got here, and just um, some of the highlights of that journey. So I would love it if you would share that with my audience. Yes, of course. Well, I think entrepreneurship has always been in my blood from uh, the time I was a little girl, always dreaming of how, what could I create, whether it was the dog washing business or something crazy. And so, um, but I didn't really formally become an entrepreneur till a while. Actually, I went, I was going the traditional route. I got my master's degree in higher education. I was working in higher ed. 
And while I loved certain aspects of that and loved being able to uh, really develop women in a really critical time in their development, um, entrepreneurship is just always called to me. And so we got, my husband and I got married in 2012 and right away we started our photography business. So we had a photo film business that we kind of launched together newlyweds and quickly that about two years that grew into a six-figure brand and that's what was able to have me quit um, my life in higher ed and go full-time entrepreneur and since then we have been just serial entrepreneurial couple Um, I've been doing the coaching thing now for over five years and we started investing in real estate back in 2014 and that's grown a lot as well so Lots of different phases, lots of different parts of the journey, but I've been an entrepreneur now for about over 10 years. So it's been a fun journey. Right. And it's like one of those things I, uh, it was so funny. My husband just said this too, because you've been doing this for a lot longer than I have, but um, my husband is a school counselor and we're getting ready to come up on our spring break and we're getting ready to go to Disney in a few weeks. And my husband was like, oh, only six more days. And I was like, what? I'm looking at the calendar. I'm like, what? There's more than six more days. He's like, no, six more work days. He's like, man, you've you've been out of teaching for far too long. And he's like, you don't even remember what that was like. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't even think about that anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so who had the, did either of you have the background in the photography, you or your husband? Did he have that? Or what kind of made you land on that? Yeah. So we're completely self-taught actually in everything we do. So in real estate and being interior designer and being a stager and being a photographer, videographer, coach, all of those things have been through teaching ourselves and life and things like that. And so I wanted to get into photography forever. I just loved the art of it, the creativity of it. I grew up and my mom was always taking pictures of us and capturing the memories and I knew it was kind of technical and that it was quite a lot of money to kind of start to get your gear. And so it wasn't until we were kind of like in a whole new city by ourselves and and also had a little bit of graduation money that we're like, okay, let's like try it out. And we took a um, like a workshop and we bought our first camera with that graduation money. And I just love people. I'm such an extrovert and I love memories. I'm pretty sentimental. And so I was, I quickly wanted to take pictures of people and also with college debt and being the grad assistant, I was like, and I want to make money. So I really was like, I know I want to make it a business. And my husband was like, fine to just like take pictures of flowers and bugs and random stuff. But, um, we kind of, yeah, because because we were had the space and had a little bit of money, we went into it and people quickly, we were in that phase of life where people were getting married and all of that. And so we were able to evolve it into a business pretty quickly. Really neat. I would love to, before we dive into the, the money talk here, I would love to just kind of um, get your perspective on it too, as to like you, like you said, you were in a new city, you were just getting started. So how did you start to get your name out there and start to become known for uh, what you were doing? I think that's always an interesting story to hear. And sometimes even for my listeners too, like that's something that holds them back. Like, well, I don't know enough people or I live in a small town or how am I going to be seen as the expert or even just be seen at all? So um, I'd love it if you shared how you kind of did that from the ground up. Yeah. So I'm super scrappy by nature. And when I get an idea in my head or like 
you know, I'm pretty motivated. I'm pretty driven. I actually, in order to pay for college, I was a door-to-door book selling girl. So I literally sold books door-to-door. And so I just kind of have this like mentality of like, if you can dream it and you commit to it, you can do it. And so I think that's part of it too, is definitely like being so tied to your goal and being tied to the vision you have to get to where you want to be is really, I mean, half of it is your headspace, your mindset, your determination, your ability to hear lots of no's and keep going and have the doors literally slammed in your face and keep selling the books and um, just be really, you know, bought into your, your why. Um, but, but really practically I was working in higher education. And so I had people around me So that was helpful, just tapping shoulders. Do you want us to do this? Doing it for definitely like a lower price, a lower rate. Um, And I, I now teach all about pricing strategy and how to raise your rates and things like that. But at the beginning, when you're in the beginning of the industry, it's about building your portfolio, building your name, your network, and all that. And so it's, it's okay for a season to have strategic lower pricing in order to do that. And we were super scrappy too of like willing to travel. I think our first wedding season, we had six weddings. We had one in Michigan, one in Pennsylvania, uh, several in Indiana. Like we just was like, we were just going and doing because we knew we needed to like build the portfolio. And then we settled back in Indiana a year later and really we did a lot of bridal shows. And um, that was our strategy for being a big lead generator is making sure that we had a really, um, really cool bridal booth and cool, uh, bit like sales strategy for the bridal show. And we went from a goal. I think we had a goal of getting 10 weddings and that year we booked 30 weddings. So yeah, that's a little bit of how that happened. <laughs> I, I love what you said too. It reminds me of something that my dad has said to us even before, like I, I even started as an entrepreneur. I remember him saying it to us when we were little. He would always say, you can have anything that you want in this life. You just have to ask yourself, how bad do you want it? And how hard are you willing to work to get it? And so that reminded me to what you said, like being really tied to your goal and that mindset piece too. That's something that I always tell my students, anybody that comes in, like when they ask, how do you do it? I'm always like first to be like, it's all about your mindset. It's all about that belief in yourself and belief that you can achieve these things. Because if you don't have that, then you're, it's going to be an uphill battle half the time. You're going to be fighting yourself as you're, as you're trying to implement all of these strategies or all these tips and tricks that you're hearing from me or from anybody else. You're going to be fighting against yourself the whole entire time. Absolutely. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, okay. Now, so you, you did the photography thing and then you talked about shifting into the coaching role. So where did you land in the coaching space and how did you kind of decide that that was what you were going to start being known for and start teaching on? Yeah. So I, inside of my higher ed career, I became a certified strengths finder coach and I kind of knew that coaching of some realm was going to be in my future. I was currently in a position where I was developing and mentoring women and I had a team of women and things like that. So I knew that was, I wanted to like formalize that and create a career around that. And, you know, the coaching industry has just grown so much over the past 
probably five, 10 years, you know, it didn't even used to be anything. And actually my, my um, school, my college that I went to had sort of a leadership coaching, life coaching sort of program. So it was on my radar and um, I got certified as a strength surrender coach. So I actually had an assessment, like a tool that I was you know, an expert in because being young, it's like, I'm going to teach you about what am I going to teach anybody about, you know, and those limiting beliefs. And so I felt, okay, I can really like own this strength surrender thing. And I did some of that in higher ed. And then I sort of started dreaming of how do, and I very nerdy me, I, I got my journal out and talked, th- thought through my different strengths and sort of visioning what my next phase was after the career in higher ed. And I just sort of came up with this very different, very different of what it is now, but um, this sort of community and blog. And I, and I did all these different things. I did photography for female entrepreneurs. I had a subscription box. I was not niche at all, which is what part of what I teach now, but I was getting exposure to lots of women and people wanted to learn like, how did I grow a business? You know, I, I had the success of creating a six figure brand pretty quickly. And, um, so all of those things just kind of morphed into me being niching into being a business coach and teaching people what I had learned and what I had done. And I still, I always actually, to this day, still use the strengths finder in a lot of my work. And so that's kind of how it happened. And in the early days, it was, you know, very different than what it looks like now, but it was, it's like been a stepping stone in the progress moving into my niche more and my methodology and all of that. But yes, that's that journey a little bit. Yeah. I, it's, I think it's really important for, for anybody out there listening to hear that too, that because sometimes we think we have to get it right the very first time and we have to nail it and everything has to be perfect. And it's good to hear that it can be an evolution process and what you might think you're going to be doing today can change six months, you know, a year down the road and you can evolve and you can grow into it. I remember thinking that too, when I first started freelancing, the, you know, the thing that I ended up offering to clients that I ended up becoming pretty well known for, I didn't even know was a thing. Like I didn't even know that that's something you could actually do for, for clients and that people would pay you to do that, to write for them and to help them with their blog. So I think it's really interesting to hear that, that evolution too. So now you really focus on helping women with money and money management. So can you talk to some of the things that you see that are common with women when it comes to money or um, even money mindset blocks that really hold people back from being able to take that next step in their business? Yes. Let's start with money mindset. So a couple of the common ones that I hear, and of course, as your listeners are thinking about this, they maybe figure out which one resonates with you or, and there's definitely more, but a couple of the common ones I see is a lot of times women having this uh, struggle around worthiness around money, whether it is something that you know, they, because now they're doing work that they really love. So they like many times we fall into entrepreneurship. It's a hobby that we then, you know, decide to start making money and then we can actually really make money. Let's go for it. Um, Or maybe we are leaving a career that was, had a lot of challenges and now we get to do like this work we really love. And so 
the idea of being able to charge good money for what we do and are we worthy of that or understanding another angle is just like what's been modeled to us as particularly as women around our worthiness to make money to spend money on ourselves and so that's definitely one of the biggest common um, common ones I see another one that I think is a label that we put on ourselves, almost like an excuse, but still a belief that limits us, is this idea that I'm just not good at numbers. I'm not a numbers person. I'm not good at math. I don't understand numbers. And I just love to call that out and people right away and say, you can learn that. And you are now a business owner. And with becoming a business owner, it means that there are numbers involved. There's money involved. If there isn't, you don't have a business, you have a hobby. And so this is a skill that you can attain. And so nobody's born knowing math or knowing how to use spreadsheets. And so I think that that's something I really love to challenge women around is even if it doesn't feel natural, and a lot of the women I work with are creative entrepreneurs, given my my background and like what I still do now. And so even if that's like maybe not how you feel like most natural is like, oh, math and spreadsheets, it's something that you can learn. And so I love to say, let's let's shed that and say, I'm in the I'm in process of mastering numbers. I'm learning how to do the right math and run the right calculations to make a profitable, profitable company. And so those are two that just jump out right away for me uh, as repeating things that I hear with women. Um, and I'm like sitting over here, like I'm, I'm writing down as you're talking, both of those things are going to resonate with my audience because, because they resonate with me. I know that I'd mentioned before you started pressing record that a lot of my audience is teachers and that I know that that worthiness thing is something that's so common, um, because they, you know, they have to make every penny stretch and, um, it didn't matter how good they were. Like they just got that same amount of money. It didn't matter if the teacher down the hallway was um, doing the exact same thing, or maybe their test scores were better. Like they still got the same amount of money. So like that was big. And then as soon as you said the not a numbers person, I'm like, ding, ding, ding. I mean, I've said that before. <laughs> I know. So, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's definitely something I, I, I know that it's held me back. And for the longest time, I was like, I don't, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to talk about it. I, I just, you know, there's money, there's money coming in, money coming out and let's just leave it there. But it definitely has been um, a game changer for me really getting in and seeing like the behind the scenes and seeing the numbers and seeing like, where are we profiting the most? Where, where are we spending the most? Where can we maybe change some things? So um, I appreciate you saying that too. Um, I think something else that I, in kind of relation to maybe some of the mindset stuff that hold us back, I actually saw this post on your Instagram um, before we pressed record. And I thought it was really interesting and I want to definitely touch on it too. But um, you had a post that talked about the habits that keep us broke. So I would love if you wouldn't mind sharing some of those things. Um, because that's, I think a lot of people when they're, they want to get started or thinking about it and they're like, well, I just don't have any money or, you know, I'm broke or whatever excuse we, we might throw in there. So um, what are some of those habits that keep us broke? Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. 
you know, we are what our habits are. Like, you know, like what we, our action, you know, how we show up in the world becomes like our reality. And so it's so important for us to create healthy habits around our finances, around our money. And the the philosophy out of which I teach and like sort of the, the system I've created both addresses your money mindset, the way that you think about money, and then your money management. So the way that you plan and act around money. And so my, I uniquely like kind of create this integration of both of those things. And as you start to manage your money, you build this musculature that like builds your confidence and build your mindset. And as you're getting more awareness and you're building your mindset, you're, you know, tapping into different parts of you that are going to help you have motivation to manage your finances. And so um, that's kind of the lens by which I do this. And so yeah, let's just go. We can just kind of talk about a few of them. So uh, one of them, like, you know, is the way is our thinking, you know, having a scarcity mindset is us putting on repeat feelings of lack, feelings based in fear. And so we, you know, if we think about how our habitual thinking around money, sometimes that creates that scarcity mindset. And so we have to do the work to create a new story, a new script, a new rut in our brains. And many times, you know, we've had these subconscious messages and this subconscious programming that we've been believing for, you know, 20, 30 years. And so we have to stop the bad habits and stop those types of thinking and start to create new beliefs, new affirmations, new um, cycles of thinking. And so that's one. Um, uh, you know, obviously our spending habits and while I do, it's important whenever I'm, we're working through personal money mastery. So I really believe in taking your business finances and helping them, getting them dialed in, getting them dialed up, but helping them help your personal wealth, you know, so we figure out your spending habits. I do 30 days of tracking your money. We create a budget. And so I always say it's really simple. Like numbers can be really simple. If your budget doesn't end in a zero or a positive, you have to either figure out how to spend less or make more. So um, your spending habits are important and uh, that's something to address. But even more than your spending habits, because I think as entrepreneurs, our our magic is in manifesting more. And so I would say managing the habits you have around spending is an important piece, but then also doing the work to manifest more, to doing the habitual work, to think about what are my projections? What are my actions that I'm doing in order to meet those uh, projections? How can I continuously be in the spirit and the energy of abundance and manifesting more. Um, Yeah. So, and then I guess we'll throw in one more is just like kind of tied back to the habit of, you know, ignoring your finances, not knowing your numbers. And I teach sort of certain CFO meetings that you need to have um, with yourself. And so habits around like daily looking at your bank account weekly um, reconciling accounts, 
quarterly or monthly creating your projections, paying yourself a consistent salary. Like you have sort of a whole system of CFO uh, meetings that you do and practices that you do in the management side of things that do not let you ignore your finances. So those are some of the habits and a little insight for me on them. Yeah, absolutely. I th- I thought about when you were talking about the scarcity mindset and some of those stories too. Like I know a big one for me is, and I'm sure people can relate to this too, that one um, you're growing up and your parents are like, well, money doesn't grow on trees. And so like getting that thing that's like money has, it's hard to earn and it's not readily available. And that was one of the things that I had to shed and I still continue it. It pops up in, in different ways. Um, but then you also mentioned personal wealth, which is a great segue into where I want to take your conversation next. Um, because I really want to talk about the difference between having a profitable business and then growing your personal wealth. So can you shed some light on that? For sure. Yeah. So I love this conversation and this is, this is like my heartbeat is, you know, okay. Like a lot of times we see online marketing companies or like educators or coaches really talking about like, I'm going to help you get to six figures or let's have a six figure launch or um, let's double your revenue. And that stuff is all really important to create. It's kind of like the first piece of the puzzle. Um, And it's work that I do with people when they work with me more intensely is how do you get your business revenue up and all those types of things. But what's more important than just revenue is profit. And so having a healthy business where you have healthy profit margins and that you know is a scalable model where you can increase your profit margins is huge. And then like that next piece that we're talking about is who cares if you have a business at six figures or a business that's highly profitable, if it's just sort of sitting in the bank account or if it's just kind of, you know, continuing your cycle in your business, but it's not coming into your personal life. And so that's what I'm super passionate about is in kind of how I talk about this wealthy woman movement, the wealthy woman movement, the foundation of it is you have to have the, your business finances intersect with your personal finances. And in order to do that, you have to understand your personal what is your personal budget? What are your personal financial goals? We develop all of those things. We think through all of those things. And then how does your business fund those personal things? And so we have to get organized and um, all of that. And then the way this really intersects is paying yourself a consistent salary, which many entrepreneurs do not do. They pay themselves even highly successful. I'm talking like years and years and years into business. We often pay ourselves last. We um, pay ourselves small amounts. We're inconsistent. And so that then tells a story to our subconscious that, you know, oh, my money's not that important. I'm not worth I'm not worth paying myself. It's more, it's going to do more good just in my business and things like that. And then it also just, it doesn't allow us to expand our wealth, whether that's our lifestyle, whether that's paying off debt or savings or um, living the day to day. But then, you know, as entrepreneurs, we aren't given 401ks. We don't have a retirement plan. And so we need access money in our personal world to build long-term wealth. And so that's what I'm really passionate about. How do we take the profit of your company and how do we have it specifically work towards your personal goals? And you have to do that by 
consistently giving yourself a salary, increasing the salary, creating bonus structures, and knowing what your personal finances are. Is there like a percentage that you kind of like to see people pay themselves or is it really based on what the business is doing or is it just kind of like out of your total profit, this is what you should be allocating for yourself? Yeah, there's definitely not just like a, here's a principle or here's a number. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it really depends on on the chemistry of several things. You know, one is, of course, the health of your business. And we don't look at just, you shouldn't just look at what you're currently doing in your business. Like, what do you have on the books for the next year? You've got to think about, well, what else is going to be on the books? What other projections are you going to make? Like, what's a really, like, healthy scope of what your year is going to look like based on what you have on the books, based on what you believe you'll manifest? And then... You know, it depends on so many factors, like the seasonality of your business. Like, are you in a huge scaling time? Do you need to bring on, what do you, what's some best, you know, how much of it can we draw into your personal world based on your, based on every, all of that. And then you have to know your personal finances as well. And, you know, I, I always say, uh, green, uh, piles of green cash are not very motivating. So you put some arbitrary salary number, oh, I'm going to pay myself $4,000 a month. Well, what is that $4,000 going to do a month for you personally? And so that's when we have to look at, okay, what is your current lifestyle budget? What do you need in order to maintain your lifestyle or improve your lifestyle? And then we think about um, what are, I I teach on, there, there are five financial goals that you want to develop and then work towards. So that is savings, debt payoff, investing, generosity, and larger lifestyle improvements. And so then if we say, okay, you know that you have $10,732 in credit card debt, then we're going to say, okay, the overflow of your salary over top of like your everyday life, you have an extra, you know, X amount of dollars per month that you can put towards debt and we can get you paid off from your debt in the next four months. That's going to be way more motivating for you to bonus yourself, keep that consistent salary and do those things that, um, that you're going to now become debt free around. And so, yeah, it's definitely not just like a tried and true. Here's the principle, but it is understanding your business and the business numbers, understanding your personal numbers. And definitely you want to get, you need to be paying yourself. And then the goal is to increase that and to bonus it based off of your vision for your future. I love that. I love how you broke it down like that too. It makes it even for me, it's like I'm I'm picking up some some new things from this conversation. Now, I know that you had the business with your husband. So like you guys were in it from day one and kind of building that from the ground up. But what about for those people who are kind of doing this on their own? Maybe they don't have the full support of their spouse or their family. How do they have those conversations around money? Because I think it's important to bring other people into the fray about, you know, what you, and obviously like if you're married too, like you have that shared vision of of where you want your lifestyle to be. So um, maybe how did you manage that or how did you, um, how do you advise your, your clients to kind of have those conversations? Yeah, I mean, for me, Brent has been a huge piece of we're partners and we've been life partners and business partners for over a decade. And so money conversations and budget conversations and 
investing conversations have been a huge part of our relationship, but I've also found support in developing myself personally around money, reading really good books, listening to good podcasts, doing my own journaling, my own practices and habits around money. And then, you know, who you surround yourself with, the community of women is so important. And so I've, you know, worked to have relationships with other entrepreneurs who think expansively around money, who, you know, live in a way that I also want to live. And so I think those different components have been really important for me. I can only speak, I guess, to my own journey on that question. And so I would encourage women who, you know, if you are, it it doesn't matter necessarily. I mean, obviously it's different if you don't have a life partner, but that doesn't still mean you can't build a a network uh, and a resource library around you to grow your money mindset and your money management. And that's the power too of like the work I do. My intensive program is for, um, it's a group program. And so I think that's so important as women start to do this work to hear the blocks, hear the wins, hear the ways they're being stretched, um, hear each other cry and be like, I just had this breakthrough. And, you know, because I think it allows, you know, more transparency and more openness around money. Money's often a topic like sex or something like we don't talk about, especially as women. And so that's why I love being able to do the work in the container of a group. It's so funny that you're saying this now because I'm actually just getting ready to relaunch a program that has run strictly as just like a self-study course. And when we're relaunching it, it's it'll be relaunched by the time this episode airs, but we're relaunching it with a group container as well. And when I first got started in business, I was very much of the mindset that like, when I invest in a coach, like I want it to be a one-on-one coach because I want that, you know, attention on my business and those specific things just for me. And, and that worked and I had a, a good coach, but honestly, I think my, when my business changed was when I invested in a mastermind because I was forced to not just think about me, but how I could pour into other people. And the power of the group is there's just nothing like it. And that's where I feel like when my business really took off, because I was able to just hear other people's experience and know that I wasn't alone and be able to rally each other. And it's just, it's changed my business. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Yes, I just got off a call of a peer mastermind group. So it's about 10 of us that are just peers and we're leading it. And I'm so excited for that container and all that I'm going to learn and be able to share and give. And that's a huge part of entrepreneurship for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So as we start to wrap this up, Erin, I just wanted to ask you if you have um, a piece of advice for that entrepreneur. I mean, a lot of my listeners are just getting started, um, but really as they want to take that next step into the CEO role, um, what piece of advice would you give them around money or money management? Well, I could share a couple practices, like really practical practices and maybe some books and resources. So um, wherever you're at in your journey, you know, I think recognizing that you have a story that has gone before you that is you should be curious about and you should be able like bringing awareness to it and you have a story ahead of you 
and bringing vision to that and where you want to go and how, what do you need to believe about money? How do you need to change about money? And so um, I think that's like maybe an important thing. You know, when I do work with people, we go into your money journey. We think about like what, what has been, what, what did you learn in childhood and adolescence and adulthood and what were examples of different things and digging, understanding that um, so that we can then change the way that we think and the way that we act to move into the future. Um, a couple of things I think are really helpful if um, uh, we do an abundance tracking challenge as um, individuals in a group inside of the intensive. And that's something that your listeners could do as well. Set a time, 30 days, 15 days, 60 days, and create a goal of how much you want to manifest what you want to bring into your world beyond what you have right now to help train yourself to see the good, to see the abundance around you. And then track every day what's coming into your world that has monetary value, not just in your business. It could be a friend buying you $5 of coffee. It could be, you know, there's money left on the parking meter. You get a random check in the mail. Um, You have points that you got to use for your Amazon order, whatever that is. Just really like we we are programmed and our brain is designed to keep us safe. And so we have to help it move in out of fear into abundance. And that's a practice that's really fun um, to do. I would also recommend CFO meetings. So set a time on your calendar weekly to look at your numbers, look at your bank accounts, visit your goals. Um, That's going to be a really important habit. And then a couple of the books I love, You're a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero is one of my favorites. Um, I'm currently reading Thank and Grow Rich, which has been fun. And Get Rich, Lucky Bitch is another great book. So those are some tangible resources. I also have a couple that people could dive into. We have a quiz that we've created to help you kind of figure out where are you at in your wealth building journey and what are really practical steps to help you move to the next point in the journey. I'm very practical as a coach. And so that's a great resource as well as my wealthy woman checklist that helps you really understand what should I be doing in my personal life, in my business life, and in my thought life around money. And where can we um, find those, Erin, those two um, freebies that you just said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can go straight to my website. We can link those in the show notes. Um, they're also connected in my bio in Instagram. And so in um, my website and my Instagram are my name. So Erin, E-R-I-N-N underscore Bridgman, B-R-I-D-G-M-A-N on Instagram. And then just ErinBridgman.com online. Perfect. Well, then you answered my next question about where we can learn more and find out and hang out with you. Um, I was saying I was scoping out your Instagram prior to pressing record and I love it. So definitely go check her out there. And we like Erin said too, we'll link all that up in the show notes. So you can go grab those things. But I just want to thank you so much for joining us today and just being so open and sharing in this conversation. I know it's really going to help my listeners. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was a joy. Thank you for choosing to spend some time with me today. I appreciate you so much. If you haven't yet, I would love it if you would leave me a review on iTunes and share this episode in your Instagram stories and tag me. By sharing and reviewing, you can help spread the message so we can reach more entrepreneurs who are ready to scale their business to new heights. I will see you in the next episode.